Yo, this is Pete Town's finest, representing the NEP. D. Stoudemire, and y'all know what we're talking about. No one's ready to deal with us. This is Evan Turner, and you're Portland Trailblazers. And you're listening to the Rip City Report with Casey Holdall and Joe Freeman. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to another edition of the Rip City Report. I am Joe Freeman of the Oregonian. He is Casey Holdall of Trailblazers.com. Greetings, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Casey. How about yourself? I'm all right. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little, little tired. You got uh, in late last late, night. Late, late, uh, late arrival last night at uh, Portland International. At least there was uh, no snow. There was no snow. There actually is still snow that they obviously cleared the runways. Mm-hmm. At it, it's still in, in piles. Up, and, yeah. I mean, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. But that was one of the first things I noticed when, after we landed. I was like, "Oh, there's still you know a, a good chunk of snow over there." And the, how long ago was that? Now three weeks. weeks? Yeah, yeah, weeks. That snow's tough, man. Or yeah. that ice, I guess, at this point. Well, and it pack, stacks up so high that yeah. it can't. The yeah, and it's still been cold. Like it's still been in the 30s. and that too. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and the, the the river looks like the Mississippi out there right now. It is muddy and high and slow. Uh, slow. Yeah, we're actually we're taking on a, a slight bit of water in the uh, in the basement in our. Uh, oh no! In, in the I mean, not not like not not pooling water, but there there is one spot where it's starting to That's to seep bad. a little. Our gutters are kind of trash, or not kind of trash. Our gutters are trash, yeah. and uh, so I think that's that's causing some issues there. So mm. if you know a good uh, good roof and gutter guy, call hit Casey up your boy. Yeah, leave it in the iTunes comments. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> G- give me your Better Business Bureau uh, rundown of your of your local roofing or or uh, or. Uh, Gutter business. Which, by the way, uh, quick story. I did have someone. Someone came to the house the other day, knocked on the door, and, and was doing uh, free estimates for uh, roof repair. Naturally, and, roof repair. and uh, we we need to get a new roof this year. So I was like, okay, great. And and typically, you know, I, I summarily just kick those people out. Like, I don't, right? I, I don't. So. I don't even typically answer my door. But this, I don't know for whatever reason why I was like, ah, I'm going to do it this time. So we go through and set up the whole uh, the whole meeting, which you know they're going to come out the next day or two days from now and or from then and do the appraisal and uh so the guy leaves i get a call like 45 minutes later from the guy's boss he's like hey uh you know we it's great i saw i see you you set up an appointment but your wife needs to be there i was like well what do you mean he's like well both you need to be there if we're going to give you an estimate i was like well well, why he's like well you know we typically don't like to to just deal with one person lives in the house we like them both and it was like it was like i was getting the the kind of the reverse patriarchy thing, where it's like, oh, you need to have your wife here to. That's and I was going to tell him, I was like, we just did a f- a, an expensive bathroom remodel, wherein my wife did all of the the interfacing. Like, I did nothing, nothing basically. Yeah. So it's like, look, man, that's we're, a, we're adults. If you don't want to deal with just one or either of us, then you don't want to deal yeah, with Yeah, well, us. and that was Bye, the thing. Peace. He was like, he's like, well, hey, uh, can we come out on a weekend? I was like, no, there's no chance that's happening. And I just, I was like, so. Good luck. I was like, so, so cool. Have, have fun. A, yeah. It was like, it was, was basically a, gear, a surefire sale. Like, we were getting our roof done this summer. Wow. Period. Now, so, was that a deal? Br- so he was like, okay, then never mind. And that was it? No, I I just hung up the phone at that point. Oh, so okay. I, I didn't wait for his response. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> it was like, what can we come on the weirdo. weekend? I was like, that, no chance. Huh. No. So. so everybody's still talking about the Super Bowl. Yeah. This is a this is a good podcast so far. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I would disagree. I feel like it. The Super Bowl talk dropped off like that. It was like, wow, the Patriots had that comeback. Everyone hates the Patriots now for whatever reason. Uh, and then they just kind of let it go. Well, I think there was numerous reasons why people were sort of rooting against the Patriots, yeah, both I, political I and non-political. But also, like, 
they're sort of easy to dislike unless you're like a diehard fan or from the area, like. You know, Bill Belichick's kind of an a hole. Yeah, for sure. But it it come full circle is... for me. I mean, I don't give uh, yeah, yeah rats about NFL football, anyways. But it I was to the point where it's like so many people hate the Patriots now that I wanted them to win. So congratulations, Weird. Patriots. Hmm. Good game. Yeah. No, it's, I, I I only watched one half of NFL football this year, and it was the second half of the Super That's Bowl. That's the so. only football you watched all year. NFL. Uh, yeah. Be, yeah. What did I you mean? Do I, on I would say like even actively. Anything on Sundays. I have a wife who I like to spend time with who does not particularly care about NFL football, nor do I. Um, I, there's there's lots of things to do on Sundays, Joe. It's the uh, no, week. I was just that's asking what you do with your free time. Like that's why they should put NFL football on like a Wednesday or something like that. Like at least give people a reason to to burn another day. It's like why are you burning your only off days? They should definitely have the Super Bowl on Saturday, so that way all the fine working people who unlike yeah. us work nine to fives Monday through Friday can Absolutely. then have the next day off. Absolutely. I mean, it's a ludicrous. There's thing. been some stupid talk about maybe, perhaps making a holiday, which is idiotic. But yeah, yeah move it to Saturday. Like you're going to be the harm. for another holiday. Well, I mean, you know the way it is with us, Joe. Holidays don't mean anything. True. Like, <laughs> a holiday is just just another day where the people that you care about and want to spend time with don't have to work, but you do. So I love football, and it's it's. I just admit it. It's a fact. But it would be the dumbest thing in the world for us to have a holiday celebrating and promoting a sport that crushes people's brains. Yeah. Let's celebrate. Not only <laughs> not only spend lots of money and give these people lots of money. And just spin the world around. Let's celebrate the fact that they're killing themselves for our pleasure. Yeah, there is definitely a, there's that aspect to it. I, 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 that's not the reason I don't watch. Oh yeah, no, football, no, no. I'm but not it, but you know, it, it. I, I do feel like I can. You can take the moral I can high ground some kind on of that. False moral superiority by being like, oh, geez. okay, I well, can't stand <laughs> to watch these people hurt themselves. Yeah, um, too bad. Yeah. Uh, he's Casey Holdall. I'm Joe Freeman. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter. You can follow him at C Hold. You can follow me at Blazer Freeman. And check out our uh, and our colleagues' fine content at for CaseyBlazers.com slash forward center. Blazers.com slash forward center. And you can check out my stuff at OregonLive.com slash Blazers. OregonLive.com slash Blazers. I want to. I want to help it up. you, Joe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, of course, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or various other subscribable podcasty things. Yeah, get those Stitcher numbers up. There you go, Stitcher. I, I clicked through on our Stitcher link the other day because I was like, I, I want to know what this looks like. And how yeah, was it? It, it looks it looks kind of cool, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I think. I mean, I don't, <laughs> and what is? <laughs> I didn't spend that much time on it, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It, it seems like a good a way to consume. Uh, po- uh, podcasting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think it particularly for people who. Android users don't or like the uh, ubiquity of iTunes. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and if you do, or if you don't, give us a review. We like to. Yeah, you don't have reviews. to listen to give us a review. I don't. I don't mind. Well, I was mostly meaning if you don't subscribe, you can still give us a review ah, if you gotcha. listen to it. But yeah, because if they don't listen, they're not going to know to give us a review because they won't have heard us say give us a review. I don't know. I stop people on the street sometimes. Like, hey, uh, you do iTunes. Reviews and they're Check like, this well, out. not really. I was like, but well, you know, if you, <laughs> if, you, if you if you get around to thinking about it, here you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's get to news and notes. The Blazers defeated the Dallas Mavericks one fourteen to one thirteen Tuesday night in Dallas. CJ McCollum finished with thirty two points and had the game winner on a tough driving floater in the lane with zero point three seconds left. That's the good news. The bad news, Evan Turner broke the third metacarpal in his right hand in the win and is expected presumably to miss a significant amount of time. 
There, however, has been no timeline for his return. At least initially, however, Turner said he doesn't think he needs surgery. Quick standings update. The win over the Mavs uh, pushed the Blazers into ninth place in the Western Conference, one game behind the Nuggets and two and a half games ahead of the Kings, Mavericks, and Pelicans. Uh, the Blazers are about to enter the national spotlight here. Each of their next two games against the Boston Celtics on Thursday and the Atlanta Hawks on Monday, both at home, are going to be broadcast on TNT in a random midseason uh, midseason TNT back to back. Yes, yeah, so for all of you uh, fans on the East Coast of the Celtics and Hawks, you have to step even later to watch the yeah, team on the West Coast. Yeah, take that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We we never get that, so I don't. Yeah, I don't. I feel bad for you guys. I, you were saying that sarcastically, Joe. I, They'll be just people want to listen or they want to watch. Oh, I see what you're saying. The Blazers fans usually get the treat of of watching it, like say four or four. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. a little earlier, and yeah. I don't know. Oh wait, I don't, I don't no, know. No, that would actually here. be later. So that is a good for them that it's early. Yeah. Bottom right. line, it, it's, no, it doesn't matter. If a game starts at ten thirty, that's tough. And actually, really, it's more like ten forty five. Yeah. So. And then it takes extra, extra long because extra actually, yeah. long. I feel like the TNT games aren't as long as the ESPN games. Like, the ESPN timeouts for me. You think so? I feel like they're longer. I'm sure that's wrong. We've had a lot of ESPN and TNT games yeah, well, lately over the last three or four kind of weeks. schedule yeah. thing they've been doing. And, um, you know, this is kind of where the Blazers kind of made their move last year. So, I don't know if maybe kind of national broadcasts are like, yeah, maybe they'll do it again this year. But, I mean, those those are some good games, though. I mean, Blazers, Blazers-Celtics was already one good game in, in Boston a couple weeks ago. And... Uh, Blazers. I think the Hawks are the only team the Blazers have not played so far this year. Have we? We haven't gone to Atlanta yet. No. Oh no, we go there in March. Yeah, we're going to be in Atlanta for like three days. Oh, good. Yeah, super. Yeah, that's actually. I think my sisters are going to come up and visit. Hey, they that'll be fun. I've never. I've never done anything in Atlanta. Like Me I've neither. Never gone anywhere in Atlanta. I've. I've never had. For whatever reason, there's just never been time to do anything there. So I yeah. guess you know, it'd be nice to see a little bit of the city. I'm sure there's something in, in redeeming about it. Oh, I, I, I hear it's a, it's a lovely town. Speaking of which, I booked some tickets with a friend uh, last week to go to Atlanta over, I guess it's Labor Day weekend. Is that the one in September? Yeah, I yeah. think that sounds because right. Because I'm going to watch the Florida State Seminoles play the hey. Alabama Crimson Tide. All right. Kickoff Classic. So that's exciting news in the Freeman household. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Chip Kelly will be the OC at uh, Alabama maybe. by then, or maybe Mark Helfrich, or Mark Helfrich, or maybe both of them. If for for your sake, uh, I hope it's Mark Helfrich. My sake? Yeah. What do I? Oh, because that'll that. give you a better chance to win that uh, game, yeah, Joe. Whatever. I don't see Nick Saban working with Chip Kelly in any I capacity. That's a lot of ego. In I room. can't believe Steve Sarkeesian got a promotion to the NFL. It's like th- between. Pete Carroll should get like twenty percent of of both Sarkeesian's and uh, what's Kiffin. his name Kiffin's salary because that that those guys have been caking off that USC run for like ten years now with with no success whatsoever. Well, Kiffin especially has more or less failed everywhere he's gone. Yeah. I mean, he did well as an OC in Alabama and they did win a title and everything, but like it's, when he's been a head guy, it's failed miserably. Yeah, and it's gone it's gone gone horribly. Yeah, that is the thing though some. There are just some guys in all of sports. They're just like they just keep getting jobs. Well, you know his dad's a coach, a very prominent coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah so absolutely. I mean, I think that gives you a little bit of street cred. And then you get in the system, and once you're in the system, you're just kind of in. Again, man, that's the that's the patriarchy. Yeah, it's keeping the uh, keeping the power in power. Well, it's kind of the old debate too of like, and you've seen it sort of. I think it's trending back in the NBA where. You sort of go for new blood, and all of a sudden they were hiring coaches who had no experience at all yeah. and were really young. And 
uh, didn't even play, you know, which uh, that's anti of what it used to be. You had to be a player to be a coach. Now I feel like it's kind of going back to where they're going with more experienced coaches, generally speaking, and kind of using that as a, as more of a value than a detriment. Yeah, I, I'd say that's true. I, I Again, I, and I've said this for years and years and years, uh, for former players, you have to be like a specific kind of former player to be a good coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for the most part, the the top level guys just don't, it, it's a different mentality and, and, and they don't have it when it comes to coaching. And in my and just in general. Didn't Magic Johnson have a horribly failed experiment as a coach in, in yeah. L.A. for yeah. like 21 games yeah. or something? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think they actually played okay. It was just, he was like, no, nah, I, I can't do this. I think uh, on the flip side that NBA players, particularly the talented ones, can succeed in a front office role. Yeah. Because you can still evaluate talent. Oh, yeah. And you can yeah. still, you yeah. know, yeah. roster composition and all that. And, I mean, obviously, and there are some players. I mean, like Jason Kidd was obviously a yeah, high-caliber pl- yeah, player yeah. And, a, and is a pretty good NBA coach. True. Um, well, he's had a lot of good coaching gigs. Yeah, he, he does keep getting gigs. I'll give him that. Uh, who else? Who else? I mean, Steve Kerr, obviously, but Steve Kerr was, you know— a a good NBA player, but definitely yeah. not a, a star player by any stretch. Um, well, a lot of the older coaches were pretty good players, you know. Yeah, like the Rick yeah. Adelmans. Well, I guess he's not. Well, coaching again, anymore. I mean, I would, and but again, I would say Rick Adelman is along the same lines of a Steve Kerr. Yeah, that, you know. Oh, so uh, you're you're a good, like a good player. Player. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about you know like the hmm. like yeah, the, almost the, the guys who, and I just think there's you know there's a mentality that like coaching is easy. I think because guy players who are great. At a certain point, it's somewhat easy. It's not easy for them, but it's easier than it is for for even other NBA players. Uh, that's not the case with coaching. No, you have to work your ass off in every yeah. possible and, way. And uh, everyone in professional sports typically works very hard, but coaching is like a different level of work. Yeah. It's it's grotesque. I, I I can't imagine what would ever kind of spark someone to get into coaching. That's yeah. that's tough. Man. In many ways, you're living a very unhealthy life. <laughs> There's not a lot yeah. of balance going on. There. I mean, uh, yeah, the the whole idea of work life balance is. Basically out. non-existent. Nate McMillan was a pretty good player, not a star. Again, but a pretty good player. Uh, yeah, I, I would put Nate along the same lines of like a Steve Kerr, yeah. you know, like a, a good player, but not a guy who was ever like. And, and again, I mean, Nate's a good example of a player that the type of players that I think make good coaches, and that he's a grinder. I mean, like he's a guy who has to fight to get into the league, and so you, I think you build a, a work ethic at that point that that is helpful going into coaching. I wonder if Greg Popovich was a good player. Uh, did he play it? I at, believe, believe so. At, uh, he went I don't to know for Air sure. Force or West Point. He went to one of the academies. I don't think he played. No? No. Doc Rivers? Pretty good player. Pretty good player, yeah. Jason Kidd. I think Jason Kidd's a good call. That's probably the best Yeah, one. Jason Kidd is, a, is, yeah. Jeff Hornacek was a good player. Yeah. <laughs> that I mentioned the other day, dude. So I, I made the mistake one time of mention, of saying that, that Jeff Hornacek as a, was a role player and his agent on Twitter just went at me for like two hours about it, and I was just like, "Dude, I mean, like, what do you want me to say? Like, I'm not dogging the guy or anything, but like, he was what at at best he was the third best player on his team. Like, and again, that's 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 not a knock. It's just you know, you you weren't like a perennial all star or even like I don't know. I just thought it was a very it was an odd response. I thought. Yeah, he gets he likes to mix it up on Twitter. He yeah. gets well, good it. for him. I mean, yeah. you know me, Joe. Yeah, you're not one to shy away from yeah. a, for Twitter beef. 
Uh, all right, let's get on to the show, I yeah, guess. I the mean, actual uh, stuff people yeah. want to actually care about. So I don't really know where we should. I guess the kind of topic of the moment is Evan Turner and his, his broken hand. Yeah, we might as well that start be there. The, that would be the, uh, the we, main topic of the day. We don't really have uh, a timeline for how long he'll be out. He did say after last night's game that he did not expect to have to have surgery. Uh, of course, this is initial diagnosis in a, another city and yeah. another machine with different doctors so obviously that can change after a second opinion but no surgery would uh facilitate a, a faster return i believe you would you would imagine yeah anytime you got to cut someone open it, it's gonna add some time to, and well and basically you know when you do surgery for a bone it means you're probably inserting a screw sure so that obviously is going to take some time to heal um yeah and you know uh, i was there last night uh, both kind of when we were talking to to Evan, you know, with the recorders on, and then kind of after everyone else had left, and myself and your and your colleague Mike Richmond and, and Evan were all just kind of sitting there talking, and you know, it, part of me felt like he was kind of almost trying to convince himself a little bit that he wasn't going to have to have surgery, um, but I mean, the fact that he said it didn't hurt that bad, uh, he went back out and played another couple minutes before yeah. he exited the game. Um, and it's a you know third metacarpal it's you know top of your hand so I think it's it's fairly exposed you know, kind of exposed exactly easy to get to I mean I, I I think I mean it's obviously not a good thing that he's injured but of the injuries to have particularly bone injuries it's probably not the absolute worst one but shooting hand yeah it is a shooting hand so he had a sweet assist after he broke his hand he shortly after uh, he got in a, a fast break scene. Mm-hmm. And he, it was a fairly long pass, like maybe three-point line or maybe it was in, and he threw just a dime left-handed like a scoop pass sure, to yeah. someone for a layup. It was pretty nice, actually. Yeah, was, bo- both my, or myself and, and Mike Richmond and, and Dwight James were at the game last night, and we were all trying to figure out when he broke it. And, initially, and so I think Dwight had someone at CSN send him a clip that was around like the five minute mark and he like hit it again on the baseline and and I you know I kind of started writing my story but I was like wait a minute I I made note of that earlier than that and so I went back and then I looked when he airballed that three because that was like the possession two or three possessions after he hurt his hand Um, and yeah then we saw the video of him breaking it basically trying to get around a screen so um, again too like the way he broke it as well like that's fluke yeah exactly and which i think kind of some of those injuries are like i mean that's third metacarpal i believe is what the injury chris paul had in the playoffs last year and he got his fingers stuck in gerald henderson's jersey so i mean it's it's one of those things it's not it's not obviously the the worst thing in the world but it's kind of he's gonna be out for a while i don't know if it if this makes any sense at all but it's kind of good timing bad timing thing it's bad timing because this is arguably the the most important stretch of the Blazers season if if they're going to uh, make any type of push to solidify a playoff spot now's a pretty good time to do that so from that standpoint it's it couldn't be worse timing but you do have the all-star break which gives you uh you know a week uh, a week of a break there to with no basketball where there's no games where you automatically get some time to heal. Uh, the schedule is a little lighter in February, obviously, in part because of that. But even now to the All-Star break, there's just three games over a week standpoint. So basically over the next two weeks to 15 days, the Blazers play three games. And if you want to go even further, uh, let's see, one, two weeks – Plus four days is what? 18 days? They play four games over the next 18 days. So you can't ask for a lighter schedule than that in the middle of the season. But again, um, 
horrible timing as far as just what it means for the Blazers right now because uh, not only are they making this push, but with Terry making the change to the starting lineup, which Evan was a focal point of, they had finally sort of, I think, settled on a rotation, settled on a starting lineup, and sort of were getting their mojo a little bit. As we had seen, they had had a modicum of success because of the change, and that throws all that out of the water. Now all that is gone, and then you're working a new lineup in, and you're trying to build – you know, chemistry or whatever with that. So now it's, uh, and then when he comes back, you have to reintegrate him. So it's kind of a mess from that standpoint. But the question is, do you just go back to the old starting lineup now? Or do you leave Noah in? Or do you plug someone else in alongside Noah? Like there's a lot of different ways you could go. And if, if well, (laughs) I don't know, actually, I, I kind of disagree with, I don't know that there are that many different ways they could go. Uh, so how would you go then? I think you probably have to go back to the starting, to the original starting lineup. I don't, I don't see how, like who do you, who do you replace Evan with? So you you can go Either with AC Bo or Aminu or AC. Well, I I don't think you do it with Aminu because you, I don't think you can. Not that you can't, but I don't think playing Vonley and Aminu together makes a whole lot of sense, considering that Aminu is better at power forward and mm-hmm. Noah is not playing the three. So neither um, of them give you a lot of offense. Exactly. So I. I I mean, you can go with AC, but you lose the playmaking aspects that you had with Turner, which is why he was out there with Damon CJ anyways. You go with Mo, same thing. Um, so I, I, to me, it really, it probably makes the most sense just to get back into that previous rotation. Uh, obviously, you're going to need guys to, to step up. Alan Crabb, is, regardless of whether or not he starts or not, is going to be incredibly important. Same with Mo. I feel like Mo has been playing a bit better lately as well, so I think that's that's probably a good sign. But I, I, I don't know that they really have that many options I, I think it's kind of they're they're a bit stuck I, and I would be surprised if if Vonley went from starting to maybe not playing, not playing at hardly at all yeah it's uh it's a tough decision I mean I guess on the surface it's easy to plug the starting lineup back in and call it good but one of the chief reasons you made those changes was to improve a bench that had been yeah drastically underperforming Very and true. so if you do that not only then are you going back to to that situation, but you lose one of the more important pieces off the bench, if not the most, because Evan's not playing. Sure. So then, yeah. So. Well, I mean, I, hmm. I I could see going with Mo and sticking with Vonley, so that way you still you still have AC and Aminu in the second in that second lineup. I I could see that. Um, I don't know that it it obviously doesn't. It's probably a better shooting lineup, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Mo is a better shooter than mm-hmm. Evan. Um, obviously, not not the not ball the handler that yeah. Evan is. Um, yeah, that's that's. It'll I be think, interesting to see yeah. which way Terry goes. Yeah. What, what do you think it's going to be, Joe? Let's let's get ourselves on record here. Boy, I'm, I'm on record saying I think they go back to to the Minu Harkless forward rotation. Man, I really don't know. I guess I would lean that way, mm. but that's going to mess up your. I mean, you're going to have. Lot less firepower on the bench, yeah. And then you're basically relying on CJ to be a bench player, kind of going back to last year a little yeah. bit. But then there's just not enough there, uh, boy. Well, and the only the only kind of insight into what Terry might do, and I don't think this is a particularly insightful insight. Insightful insight, but it is what happened. Is in the game last night. You know, after Turner went out, the way that they made up for his minutes in the rotation. Was to have Damon CJ play the entire fourth quarter. Yeah, like that. That's that's that was the the option they that took. That was on the fly. So, yeah. one, I mean, you figure their minutes are going to increase with Turner out, anyways. 
I don't know that it'll necessarily be they're both going to play the entire fourth quarter. Uh, and the you know the way that the game was going, I think, also played into that a bit as well, seeing as how it was so close in the fourth. Uh, but AC gets more minutes. You assume that's that's a given. Same with Mo. But yeah, it, it's gonna it's gonna reverberate to the to the guards as well. And yeah, I would guess both Damon CJ will will probably see two more minutes per game mm. with Turner out. Just a guess. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's going to throw a wrench into everything, no question. And I mean, you would think based upon the broken metacarpals that we've seen just in a quick kind of internet research, you would think he'd miss at least four weeks or around a month. Around I mean, yeah, weeks, you're talking yeah. about a, a broken bone yeah. on his shooting hands. I mean, again, I mean, Turner was like, he what did he say? He's like, I broke my back in college, and I. I I think he said back, <laughs> which he did. Okay. Uh, and he said that, you know, he broke it sometime in mid-December and he was playing again by mid-January. So, and I don't, again, I don't know exactly what the nature of that injury was. Obviously, backs are different than hands. Not that you don't use your back all the time, <laughs> but I mean, you literally use your hand all the time, particularly if you're right-handed, if you're Evan Turner and you're dribbling the ball a lot. So, I mean, you, you have to make sure that you get it healed. And I guess that's the... I, the way that they play during this stretch might also kind of define how they go about that rehabilitation. Because I mean, if they come out and they're they're still able to kind of stick around in that eight spot, then you know I think there's obviously more of an impetus to get him back out there. If they come out and play really well, then maybe they say, "Hey, you know, take your time, Evan." And if they come out and play really poorly and they kind of fall out of that race, then maybe it's. Hey, you know, there's no point in, in injuring this any further if we're already kind of out of this thing. So. It's interesting. Uh, I was that you bring that up because uh, I didn't go on this trip. I was uh, at home and I played basketball on Tuesday nights, and I was at my game. And I checked my phone after our game was over and saw that Evan had broke it up on his hand. I was like, "Holy crap!" And you know, I announced because most of the people in there are Blazers fans, and uh, there was a sizable contingent that was like, "Good, yeah, no, I, good. I, I let's, saw some let's of that fold it up." Let's hold it up here. Let's let's and then let's get that tank underway. Was yeah. essentially the well, I feel like there, there's kind of two responses to that. One is is let's tank, and the other one is well, is Turner that good anyways? Yeah, I, I saw some of that as well. Huh. So I didn't. There was none of that. I think anybody that actually pays attention has seen lately. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, yeah. The, he there has been a a. I mean, Turner is a is a helpful player in that starting line, particularly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, obviously a rough start to the season, and still maybe not exactly what people were hoping for. But, you know, when we were actually on the flight home and I was just thinking about, you know, how Evans played and so on and so forth, and just about how, you know, maybe this season isn't going to be what anyone wanted it to be. But I, I think that you start feeling better about having Evan Turner on your team long term after, I would say, the last month and a half. Yeah. You know, whereas I would say before that, people were probably kind of thinking, how, how can we get out of this? I think that while it's been kind of a a slower burn than and again than people may have liked, I think you are kind of starting to see the his value. The, the idea. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's not a bad player. You you start to appreciate him the more you see. It's a little bit and I said this from the beginning, it's a little bit like like Andre Miller. I mean, at first yeah. nobody liked him and then yeah. he kind of you warmed up to him and you started to appreciate him. Um well, one thing that 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 his injury did overshadow was a very not only important win by the Blazers, but a a, a fun win yeah, in a fun, fun basketball yeah. game. I mean, guys on both sides just hitting crazy shots and clutch shots. Dirk looking like he was thirty, and 
CJ Ballin, Dame obviously had a fantastic start to the game. Um, really an entertaining basketball game, and in a lot of ways, an important win for the Blazers uh, as as they sort of try to cement that status as as uh, in the as an eighth as the eighth seed. Um, you know, the head to head getting that over Dallas was huge, especially after brutal loss they had last sure. week to Dallas. Well, they so. tied they tied the season series, right? Yeah. So what well, if they had lost it, they would Well, right. Yeah. Okay. So so they haven't nec- they they don't necessarily have that tiebreaker, but at least they don't have the not guaranteed non-tiebreaker of of losing the season series. So uh a- after what is it after after head to head? Is it I think it's conference record. Conference record? Yeah, so, that, that, yeah, that 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 was kind of the first thing that came to my head too. So yeah. uh yeah, a, a very entertaining game. Uh and you know, I, I think a a good kind of encapsulation of particularly the play of Damien and CJ. I, I feel like there's you know, I'm seeing some comments about, you know, is this is CJ kind of the guy you go to now in the fourth quarter? And I think there's there's some validity there. But I think that, you know, Damien was talking last night about how he it's not like Terry has to come to him or to CJ and be like, hey, it's going to be you tonight in the fourth quarter. It's going to be him or we're going to go to to CJ. And it's like they they already talk about that stuff between themselves. And and they both players have talked to too about how they kind of go back and forth between Damien's going to kind of go off. He's going to feed the ball to him early and then they're going to go to CJ late or CJ is going to kind of get it early and then Dame's going to be late. And that's typically what it has been. Uh, but that's starting to flop a little bit as CJ is really starting to build a a reputation as a as a clutch scorer in the fourth quarter. And Damian still, I, I think it, it gets a little I mean, he, he hasn't had those those great clutch late game shots that he's had in the past, uh, but he's still seventh in fourth quarter scoring. You know, like it's still he's still very good in the fourth quarter he's just not getting those he's he's not getting those game winners like he has in the past and uh cj getting one last night and uh really doing and scoring the last seven points too at, at 34 that. seconds yeah. yeah dame had uh he had a little stretch right before the end there where he was sort of trying to take over mm-hmm. and i know he had a big jumper a, a well it was kind of a bad shot it was like his foot was on the three-point line sure or his one foot in but um but he wasn't having as much success, and then I noticed with a, a couple minutes left, he, he got the ball to CJ and then just ran to the wing, and it was sort of like, okay, it's it's CJ's time right now, which I thought was interesting mm-hmm. going to the point that you're making right there. And I mentally went, I wonder if that's Stott's call or if that's Damon CJ figuring that out or, or how that came to be. It's interesting in those moments how that with two guys like that and like like you mentioned, you know, Lillard time and all that to defer is. Um, probably not easy. Yeah, but. And, and sometimes too, I think we we assume that it's like they're drawing up a play, and it's like, okay, this plays for CJ. No, they're just running a set. exactly. Yeah. Like it, they, and then Terry talked about that last night. You know, when 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 the defenders go to Dame, you pass the ball to CJ. When the defenders go to CJ, you pass the ball to Dame. When the defenders go to both of those guys, Evan Turner gets a three pointer in the corner to potentially win a game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it is a. It's not like there's like. We drew up this play, and that's and and if CJ gets the ball, it's an it, we're saying that CJ's the guy, and if Dame gets the ball, we're saying Dame's the guy. It's like no, it's there's usually multiple. You got to pick, yeah, yeah, exactly. And teams know that that a lot of times they're going to go to Damian, which I think CJ gets a little bit of a benefit from. Uh, obviously, CJ's ability to get defenders 
you know, out of balance and, and to get in the paint. And I think CJ's floater is better than Dame's at this point. Um, and I, you know, they're just different ways they get to the rim. And I think particularly late in games when I think referees typically are, are a bit loath to blow the whistle. I think CJ's kind of hesitation stutter step play is, is maybe a bit more effective than Damien's kind of getting past the defender, getting to the rim play, because what happens then you, you get contact uh, under the basket and, you know, maybe the referee is going to call, call a foul, but you know, most of the time they're not. So I think CJ just kind of gives you a little more room to operate and, CJ's uh, game winner was obviously nice, but the the one before that, the three point play was yeah. I, I mean, like but. he finished through like I think West like had his was holding his arm basically even to get to the rim yeah. as he did. I mean, the whole thing was pretty Im- impressive. CJ was on one late. He had some some big shots. Yeah, no, he. What do you have? Thirteen in the fourth or fifteen? I believe it was either thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was that was a uh, and Damien scored twenty two of his twenty nine in the first half. You yeah. know, so like again, like the so I feel like there's been a lot of talk lately about well, it's got to be one guy or the other, and and can these two guys coexist? It's like well, yes, because <laughs> you can one guy can do something beginning of the game, and the other guy can do something at the end of the game, and it allows you to to play how the defense is guarding you in some right. respects. So, um, it's it, it's. Not amazing, but it's just interesting to me how much of the talk kind of among the fan base lately has been dominated by, like, is CJ are taking Dame over? and CJ yeah. compatible? Or, yeah, or, yeah. or is, is CJ the man now? And it's like, I mean, the, and which, you know, are, are fun conversations, but at some point I don't know that they – it's it's kind of like, you know, it's it's debating what your favorite color is. You know? Isn't like, it possible no that CJ is – gets the room that he gets to operate because Dame gets so much attention. Yeah, and and vice versa, too, though. I mean, like, and that's something that you can't, (laughs) it's, you can't, like, separate that out, you know? Like, there's no, there's no vacuum to put that into where, unless the times that Damian and CJ aren't on the court together, which I think for both players has shown they are, neither is nearly as effective than when they're on the court at the same time together. And there's a reason for that because they put a lot of pressure on defenses that one of those guys alone does not do. Yeah. I think, uh, in this is essentially what you were, you had just touched on a bit ago, but one thing that last night does, and, and not just last night, but, but over the course of CJ's growth and evolution is he does give the Blazers another weapon in late game situations Absolutely. and to evolve for the Blazers to evolve and diversify like that is important. You know, you're not just seeing Lillard time. As you mentioned, Evan Turner had a, a, a chance against Oklahoma city, uh, this is CJ's chance, second chance against Dallas. He mm-hmm. had that first three-point try uh, when he and Dame missed back-to-back at that loss in Portland last week. And to know that there's different weapons, I think, is more ideal than just having to rely on one player. It absolutely is. Yeah, and you go back to when Batum, you know, was evolving or emerging as a late-game threat. He had a game winner. He had an assist on a late game, that sort of a thing. To know that there's a weapon there, and then you have Dame, and, of course, back then you had L.A., um, but we've seen Terry draw up plays from Mason Plumley at yeah. the end of games. Yeah. Uh, Alan Crabb could have had a chance a while back if he wanted to, but he passed up the shot at the three-point line. Uh, so there are different ways to go, and I think when you have more weapons like that, it just makes the defense have to, to scramble even more. Yeah. So, and I, and I will say, too, uh, I, I think that Damien was maybe a little reluctant to give that up sure. you know, even earlier this season. Sure. Uh, but I, I think that... 
he realizes that what's best for the team is best for the team. And I think he, I mean, I don't, no one appreciates CJ's game more than, than Damien does. So uh, I think that, you know, seeing him have the success that he's had, I think even subconsciously, it's like, okay, I can give this up. You know, like it doesn't have to be me. Uh, and that's, I think that's great going forward. I don't know that it's going to help him out a whole lot this year with, you know, how far behind they are already. But I think, again, it, it, it lays a good groundwork for the future. Yeah. Uh, and, on a completely, not totally unrelated, but on a tangent, what's up with everybody taking the Lillard time now? It's, yeah, it's, it's Isaiah it's, Thomas was doing it, and I saw John, John Wall, Wall do it. it. Like, yeah, come on, you got to come up with your own thing. Yeah. Like that's sort of, I mean, he doesn't own a trademark or patent on or anything, but he more or less trademarked that. Yeah, that, he's been doing own. it for a while now, and that's yeah, like, I, I don't, I mean, it, you know, it's it's. Dumb it's what stuff. it is, yeah. So, yeah. But like, it's it, it is odd that it's like, well, yeah, but uh, well, Isaiah Thomas been good in the fourth quarter this year, so he can do it. It's like, but Damien been doing that for like three years now, yeah. And like, again, that's kind of the thing he did, you know. Like, I and I know that probably at some point in time throughout the history of the NBA, other players have done it. Sure, I think someone mentioned Reggie Miller have having done it before. But I mean, like, that's kind of that's Damien's thing, you know. Like, Dame time, Lillard time. That's. Wouldn't I mean, you like, that's been going want on for a to while have now. something different? Like, you would think so. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you do. It just comes in, you know, naturally. Dame didn't sit around and go, oh, I'm going to tap my yeah. wrist. I mean, like, I if I mean, it would make sense to me if, you know, Blazers are obviously playing the Celtics tomorrow. If Isaiah Thomas comes out and hits a game winner in the fourth quarter against the Blazers and taps that his wrist, is, that's legit. Now, that's, like, that's, yeah. that's, that's fair game because you, you got it. Yeah. But other against, than that, like, <laughs> I just don't – I don't know. Like, yeah, it just – uh, it, 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 I agree, Joe. It's like, wouldn't you kind of want your own thing? Yeah. Like, I mean, this is it's pretty synonymous with Damien at this point. Um, I mean, you didn't see NBA players running around. Doing, no, well, I guess a couple kind of mocked it. But the three goggles when Wes was doing that, I mean, that was a blazer. Well, and again, like it's it's fine to mock. I, to me, like that, yeah. that's much better. Oh, that's like, better. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Isaiah Thomas or John Wall were doing it to mock Damien, sure. I mean, like it, it's I mean it's kind of a jerk move, but I, like I understand it. Like Spirit that makes of the sense. Game. Exactly. Of the that's, game. that's the sport. Doing it to be like, yeah, you know, I mean, this is my thing. It's like, nah, no, dog, come nah. on, man. Now, I know that John Wall and Dame are relatively tight. Yeah. So no, I don't absolutely. know if, like, if there's if he lent him that for a bit or he went rogue, you know what I mean? But uh, well, I, 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 if I'm, I mean, if you wanted to extrapolate that out, I would think it would be more like, hey, leave my ish alone. No, more like, hey, if Isaiah Thomas is going to do it, why don't you do it to them? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and just have everyone do it. You know, every time someone scores the fourth, they're just like, yeah, check it out. I'm, yeah. uh, it's my time. I mean, Isaiah Thomas has been fantastic. Dude, I voted he's, for him he's been awesome. to the All-Star as a starter. 100% yeah. awesome. Yeah. There, You cannot say anything bad about Isaiah Thomas's game. He's been great. Except for this, come up with your own thing. Yeah. Especially if you're dope and you're balling, like, you need to come up with your own thing for your own brand, for your own... Yeah, like, act like you're pulling out a pocket watch out of your jersey or something. Sure, like, if you want to stay sure, clock-related, sure. go that I mean, because literally, it would be like, if the Blazers started doing Geno time on the Jumbotron <laughs> in blowouts, which is what the, the Boston Celtics have this thing. It's called Geno time. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's I love it. It's a it's a video of uh, I, I think it, I don't know if it was like it was one of those seventies slash eighties dance shows where bands just show up and play music and then people dance. And what was it like Night at the Apollo or something? Well, like, it wasn't it that was, because you know no, flash dance, it's white dudes. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's but, what I meant, so yeah. long story short, like whenever they have a blowout, uh, they have this video of this guy who's wearing a shirt that says Gino Time, you know, and he's got like a you know a Italian afro and polyester you know, bell bottoms. Bell bottoms. You know, he's doing the whole disco dance thing, and it's, and it's fantastic. Oh, it's I, I love it. Crowd but like, it, yeah. But yeah, but if the Blazers started doing uh, their own version of Geno Time when they're up late in the fourth quarter, 
Celtics fans, rightfully so, would be like, no, that's what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or like the and Celtics specifically, because Celtics have very good game ops. And they used to do a peanut butter jelly time. Yeah, too. yeah that was So like the too. Blazers started doing peanut butter jelly time, all of a sudden it'd be like, come on, guys. Like, we, that's our thing. We were doing that 20 years ago. Yeah, you can come up with something, man. Give yourself a salute or – I mean, I don't know. There's 800 other things you can do. And I know it's, again, in the heat of the moment and it just comes naturally. But it came naturally because you saw someone else do it for yeah. three years. Like it – yeah. And, for, and, and actually, my, my last thing I'll say about it is while I, I think it's kind of weak, the, the Celtics or, or Isaiah Thomas and the Celtics kind of promoting it as they have, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. The NBA, however, yeah. should stay out of it. Yeah. You, you, you don't don't be promoting that stuff and acting like it's like, oh yeah, this is a this is a thing. It's like no, that, whatever. There's that, some twenty year old kid sitting behind a computer. No, there's like, not. And let's dispel the idea that social media accounts are being run by interns. They're not the NBA. I don't know how many followers they have. They ain't let no interns get in touch with that uh, with that Twitter account. I do think they could do a better job with it, but. Uh, but they're not they're not leaving that to some some college grad or recent grad or Lackey. college student that's that's posting stuff on social media. That that might have been true like in the earliest days of social media, but people get people get stupid cash doing social media stuff. Like that Do they really? The the ones that work for for larger companies, yeah. No, mm-hmm. social media uh, manager or or whatever they call it. I think in a lot of places you're getting six figs. So are you saying that we should pursue different careers? No, because I've run that Twitter account before, and it is not fun. Yeah, and actually, you know, uh, and the Blazers obviously came under fire, uh, was it last week? Or a couple God, weeks ago? Uh, the, 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 he's on Memphis. It was the Memphis so, week, yeah, whatever so it was. And I'm sure everybody knows about weeks. that, but like... That is not as easy of a job as it sounds because you're making decisions on the fly and you're trying to be clever or cute or funny or whatever. And it's a fine line between between being funny and offensive. And it's easy to get could be easy to get into hot wires. Well, so and the, that makes you appreciate. And the Blazers uh, have been recognized for their social media. You guys have been recognized for your social media for a couple years now by uh yeah, they Whoever do a great job that, with yeah. it. Chris Coivisto, uh, Cody Sherritt, Dwayne Hankins, TJ Ansley. doing the videos and stuff, too. Yeah, like, no, yeah. The Justin and yeah. Dane and Koji. No, they all do a great job. So it's, you know, it just goes to show that it just takes one slip-up to, you know. But, and, but my point, though, is it's not necessarily even a slip-up. Like, because you don't know how someone is going to take something. True. Like, because the, the – and that's what it is. It's the reaction. So, like, it – you could – tweet something and have it be fairly benign but then if people react to it a certain way that's what you have to deal with and that's the that's the the hardest part i think with doing social media is you have to be you have to consider so many different viewpoints all the time it's impossible and, to, well, and, and and what's actually what's really important is having good management because if you if you have a management that is reactive and scared for lack of a better term then your social media your is going timer. to reflect that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But if you have if you work for an organization such as the Trailblazers that, you know, support their their employees and, you know, when they when they say they're going to do something and they do it and then people don't like it, they don't just necessarily write that off and say, Well, that was a mistake, so that person's gone. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and that's happened before. I mean that that fellow who worked for the Rockets, uh, with that tweet a couple of years ago, I mean like they just cut him loose because, yeah. you know, it's it's easier than and just saying, off. hey, you know, we we made a mistake. We won't 
Funny we'll try thing not to do it again. about the tweet that got Parsons uh, involved and I thought was pretty hilarious all around was that that tweet had been sent out by the Blazers. It, it was not a new tweet. It had it was a recycled tweet that he had done in the past, couple years ago or whatever, to another player on another team. Mm. And it, it all is about the reaction of the player exactly. and how it gains steam yeah. and all that. So, I, I mean, I thought Parsons was having fun with it. I, I thought I did, I did too. Yeah. Absolutely. But it and that's that's another thing about social media is that everyone always wants to take it from people are having fun to people are fighting. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and that's not the case. Yeah. Well, like, it depends it's, on it's the subject. A, it depends it, on the yeah. Subject. And sometimes, sometimes that's the case. But I mean, like, you know, you only have 140 characters. You have to be terse. Yeah. All right. Should we get to questions? Yeah, let's. All right. First up from – and by the way, you can submit questions to it. You know what? Someone emailed us a question. Two people emailed us questions. No kidding. Uh, and I totally forgot ah. last episode, and I didn't get that. You don't, do you ep- have them now? I'd have to check. I'll try to check when we're uh, – when we're answering questions here. Sure. Um, we usually solicit them on Twitter. You can follow us again. Casey's at Seahold, and I am at Blazer Freeman. First up from Tobias Sanchezo. Ed Davis is getting it done. Can we stop benching him, please? Hashtag Blazers. Uh, when Ed plays, well, yeah. Uh, and I think Ed has been playing better lately. He he has been fighting kind of minor injuries here and there. So in some regards, it's not like he's being benched. He's just been injured. Um, but yeah, when when Ed plays like Ed played last night, I thought uh, Ed's going to get minutes. Yeah, Ed has not had as good a year as he had last year, and particularly early in the season for long stretches, he was he was. He was fairly ineffective, and so he sort of earned his own lack of playing time there for a while, and then he got hurt, and then it kind of you know devolved into what it's become. But you know, going into the season, if we flash back to to when we first potted in September, October, whatever it was, I think we sort of foresh, foresh, foresaw an issue where someone's not going to play. Yeah. You know, there's just only so many minutes to go around and so many guys. So uh, I think in the right matchups uh, where a big of, of Ed's caliber is needed, Terry will turn to him in a different matchup where he needs shooting or a team goes small, then he won't go to Ed. So I, I think that's just how it's how it's going to be moving forward. Yeah. Uh, well, because I, I also think we have another question, and it's basically the same thing about Myers Leonard and why isn't Myers Leonard playing. So, I mean, it's it, it, it Terry has been juggling that lineup and – you know, uh, and again, the the reason why Ed is playing one night and Myers is playing another night, and Noah, particularly before he entered the starting lineup, was playing another night, was because none of those guys had gone out and secured those minutes. Take on the, the job. I mean, earn the job. About that for years, like yeah, with, earn with, the job with Thomas Robinson, yeah. with 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 Myers a couple of years ago. Like it's always like, why isn't this guy playing or why isn't that guy playing? It's like bottom line is it's because they haven't gone out and taken that totally. that mantle. Like that that's on the player. And if you're and I, I it's true and I understand and I agree with the notion that if you're not necessarily playing consistently, it is hard to build that. But then especially for, for guys on the bench, T.S., you know, like yeah. you, you you have to. Yeah. The question you mentioned was from Matt Paluska, who asked, why does Noah Vonley get the benefit of the doubt when Myers while Myers is left on the bench? Uh, and, you know, Matt, I appreciate your perspective, but I think anybody who has watched 
uh, the team play this season has uh, come to the conclusion that Myers is, is not having a good year and he has not been consistent enough and he simply has not earned those minutes this season. So uh, it's up to you whether you give up on him permanently or not, but right now he's not playing well enough to earn that playing time. No. And uh, as far as the Vonley aspect of it, I think we talked about it last podcast, the advanced metrics and all that stuff and, and the deep NBA stance or stats suggest that that lineup with Noah, a part of it is one of the better performing lineups uh, of, that the Blazers have. So, um, you know, and, and they had success last year with Noah in that starting lineup in that similar role. So I think that was also part of the reason, but uh, Noah Vonley and Myers bring you different things. Yeah. And, and Noah, if nothing else is going to charge hard for a rebound and fight in traffic for stuff. Whereas Myers is more of a, has become more of a perimeter oriented player and the Blazers already have, Plenty of that in their starting lineup, so it doesn't make sense to put Myers in the starting lineup. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, you you basically you basically said it, Joe. I mean, it, it Noah basically. I mean, Noah's playing what like seventy minutes. He's Noah he's is fulfilling ton, like yeah. that Nicholas Batum as a rookie role right now, basically, which is like he starts and he plays some minutes in the first quarter, he plays some minutes in the third quarter, and that's basically it. Yeah, and he and yeah, he goes out and Noah at least gives you energy, and in that starting lineup. Which now is going to be rejiggered, so who knows kind who of knows, how that yeah. how that plays out. This might all be moot at this point going forward. But he what Meyer or what Vonley gives you, which is energy and rebounding and you know, I would say scoring at the basket, though he's had a, a dastardly time of, of getting buckets to go early in games because I feel like they have been trying to feed him a little bit earlier in games, as they've done in the past with guys like Robin Lopez, just trying to get a, get them a few good looks and maybe loosen up the defense a little bit. Um, he's having a, some issues scoring when he's getting those looks, yeah. um, particularly thinking about last night's game. I think he had like three or four misses in the first two minutes of the game at the rim. Uh, so that's not great. But again, Mike Myers has given you that either. So... Uh, I, I think it makes sense to go with Noah. I, I mean, I, I would like to see Myers playing some, but again, you got to earn those minutes, and I, I think it's hard to claim that he has at this point. Okay, so I dug up this question. It was from January 23rd, so I apologize for not asking it sooner. It's from Jim, or answering it sooner. It's from Jim Connect. Thanks for the question, Jim. It's a little longer because it's on email, so bear with me. Uh, you said we could submit via email, so here goes. My question is about the refs and not the question you might suspect. Refs are human. They miss calls both ways, and superstars get away with more in all sports. My question is this. Are the Blazers' young players less able to pivot mid-game to how the calls are going compared to veteran teams? It would be great to have a one or two quote-unquote old-timers around to share experience. Anyway, great podcast, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, thanks, Jim. I don't know that <laughs> I mean I'll start with the with the last part there. I don't know that old timers are really the best guys to show you how to not foul players because you used to be able to get away with a whole lot more back back in the day as I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, <laughs> you know and I, I I think there's a there there is a valid point there about adjusting to the referees. Uh, but the Blazers just have a hard time not fouling period. I mean like the, that's long story short it doesn't matter how the refs are calling the game. Blazers for the last couple seasons have had a hard time of I mean I think they've they've I think they led the NBA last year in fouls. I think they got to be near the top this year if they're not at the top. Uh and part of it is I don't I don't know. I mean they the the guy who who I always think of when it comes to defense and fouling for the Blazers is Allen Crabb. I mean like he Allen seems to just get like two or three like just kind of 
head scratching, reaching calls every single game. And Blazers last night were were fighting foul trouble. Uh, Plumlee, I think, had five. Uh, did someone foul out last night? I feel like someone fouled out. Maybe that was no, uh, that was Oklahoma City. Plumlee fouled Mason out. Mason and Dame were close. I yeah, think and uh, I, th- I think AC had five as well. So. Um, I think it would be helpful for the Blazers to adjust how they play sometimes, but I just I don't know if, if that's how possible that is. Okay, next up from Trevor. Outside of Dame and CJ, does this Portland roster have any other potential all-stars on it? Uh, probably probably no, not. No. It's I mean, it's always possible. One, anytime we're talking about potential all-stars in the Western Conference, I mean... It's tough sledding. Yeah, that, that, I mean that's it's a very hard team to get on. Anyways, let me look at this roster. I mean, look quick. at Damon CJ. Like, yeah, exactly. They can't they even get on, yeah, and they're they good. Didn't get on it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it would take a special season, and if it does have a special season, assuming all these players are on the same team, unless you're the Golden State Warriors, you're not going to get more than two players on a team, or you know what I mean. Like you're not going to be loaded with. For the Warriors are the exception to the rule, obviously for uh, all examples, but. Uh, I I I don't see it beyond Dame and CJ. I mean, okay. Dame has been on twice, and CJ's never even been on. Yeah. We're, we need to more talk about yeah, is exactly. CJ going to be an All Star? Yeah. Okay. Next up from Cody Sherritt, do you use beard oil? I just use regular conditioner about once a week. I don't. I mean, mine's short enough to where I don't have. I don't do anything. To I'm it. more of a a beard. Uh, is it balm or? Or what's it called? Yeah, I mean, that's balm, but I mean, it's basically an oil, right? Yeah, or lotion, I, I prefer or... to use that over the oil. Uh, and I do use beard balm uh, fairly regularly, not every day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I use I use beard balm. It's good. Now, does that, does that keep it from, like, getting, like, itchy or, or scratchy? Uh, it's supposedly good for it in a variety of ways. It's good for your skin underneath, uh, and it's good for your – to keep it, uh, you know, shaped nicely, to keep from hairs going mm-hmm. left and right and up and down and all that stuff and – yeah, I think it's just good for the uh, the general health of, of your, your beard. But yeah. Way to go, oh. beard people. All, All right, right, next up from next Ronnie time. Stewart. When is it time to stop cheering for ex-players that were good for us to us? Yeah. Examples, Wesley Matthews and Will Barton. I don't know. I Never? Mean, you yeah. can cheer for whoever you want to. I mean, yeah, I don't think – I mean, I, I think giving a guy some applause as he's – Announced in the game for the first time is great. I don't, and I don't see it. And it's not like people are cheering West when he's hitting three pointers in the fourth quarter, throwing bow and arrow bombs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I think it's always nice to, to show appreciation for for players who who did well by you. And just like you know, uh, we don't get this question about when are people going to stop booing Raymond Felton, Ray Felton, or Pedro Turklu if he's still in the league or whoever else is. Well, let's let's say that Ronnie's going a step deeper where he's actually cheering for the players during the game. Okay. Now that's a different thing. Uh, I still say you can do that until you get into a situation where you really need a win and you're cheering for the opponent, or you get to the playoffs and you're cheering for opponent. As a fan, if I were a fan, I would, I would not do that. I, I would root for the general health and success of that player. Uh, when they're not playing the team that I that I love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in general, I I think it's it's never a bad thing to support people. You know. Yeah. At least in some in some regards. But no, I don't know that there's any hard and fast rule. I would say it's totally case by case. I mean, you cheered for Wesley Matthews for five years. You know, you yeah. you grew to appreciate and respect and love his game. You can't just turn that off because he, he well, leaves. And, and I, I will say too that I I respect the just as I respect people's right and 
willingness to cheer for foreign players. I also respect people's decision to not cheer for foreign sure. players because I mean, yeah, like it, it just depends on what kind of a fan you are. Like if it's if you're like a these are my guys and that's it, and everyone else can go cram it with walnuts, then then yeah, you're probably not going to be cheering Wesley Matthews or Nick Batum or Lamarcus who gets booed. I guess so. Yeah. Again, like it's speaking, it, of, it cuts both ways, I suppose. Speaking of Wes, or yeah, of Wes, a little side note to last night's game winner by CJ was that it was it was on Wes. Yeah. He juiced him on the perimeter and charged ahead and. There's a little yeah, something there if, because if, CJ <laughs> played behind Wes for a couple years, and Wes, you know, there's yeah, that I, was a little added benefit for CJ I was, on that one. If I had more time last night, I was going to try to get there. Uh, I did ask CJ about being guarded by Wes when they were teammates and how if that helped at all. And the it, eye roll it, followed. It, well, no, I didn't, I didn't get the eye roll. I mean, I got an answer, um, but I just didn't have it. I just didn't have it in me last night to – well, and the other problem, too, was that – so CJ was talking, and CJ and Damien's lockers are kind of kitty corner to each other, and Damien was just about ready to start as CJ was finishing up. So rather than spending all the rest of the time with CJ, which would have been, been not an awful idea on that night, I did pivot to, to go the other direction because I also wanted to write a story about how Damien and CJ are sharing the load late game, which I would have written last night, but the flight home was incredibly uh, turbulent. Bumpy. And the wireless did not work for a large stretch of it. Um, so finally, I just gave up. All right, next up from Anthony Copland, or Copeland. No E, so I'm going to say Copland. Why on earth do Lillard and CJ have to do... What on earth do Lillard and CJ have to do to get on the NBA All-Star team? Well, Lillard has been on there twice, so he's been a two-time All-Star. But if you're referring to this year in the here and now and when the reserves were selected... I believe the Blazers were eight games under 500. So my first suggestion would be being eight games over 500. Yes. And then you would have probably at least one of them on the All-Star team. Yeah, winning more games would uh, would definitely help. Uh, though there, hmm, there are theories about collusion among coaches in the NBA in terms of voting. Um I wouldn't probably make a whole lot of that, but the bottom line is, like, there are so many good players. It's you got to win. I mean, yeah, you got to for years. I've this is my tenth season, eleventh season, whatever it is, and every All Star around All Star voting time, when you talk to coaches about how they vote, they all say they factor winning into the equation because above all else, that is the goal to win. That that's why you're playing. When a team is eight games under five hundred. Uh, and underperforming and generally being a disappointment as compared to their preseason expectations, why would you then reward individuals who are having good seasons when the team is, is floundering? Sure. So that's I think that's how a lot of coaches yeah. approach I mean, it. And I think a lot of Blazer fans would say, well, why is Anthony Davis or and DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins, Cousins in yeah. there? And that, that actually, that's my answer. The way that Damian and CJ can get into the All-Star game is by growing six inches and becoming centers rather than guards because yeah if, if, if you're a good center you can you can play for a losing team and you'll still make an all-star team so all right next up from ryan lyle just why why is life the way it is what is the meaning of life there isn't any man keep it moving yep that's all we're all just floating around on a giant orb in the in the universe i mean maybe space. maybe we are this could all be something else could be who knows this could be something else's dream 
They uh, they came out with something last week that said uh, that the whole universe is moving. Like our our universe is. I mean, obviously it's expanding, but it it, it got pushed. Hmm. Some type of gust or space something or other shifted the entire universe over. Interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. It's so uh, that uh, that kind of theoretical astrophysics. That's next level. It, well, it's it's next. I mean, obviously you have to be incredibly intelligent to to kind of play in that field and and to even kind of wrap your mind around some of the notions of it. But on the other hand, too, it's also in a lot of ways kind of unverifiable, you know, and like so the way it works is they they come up with theories and then they just kind of say, well, this is true until something else proves that it's not like there's there's a a theory and they I think they made a documentary about it after the the, uh, they they did the the Higgs Botham particle or whatever about the notion of the multiverse and how this universe is one of many different dimensions. I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, but basically long story short, like this very kind of, you can't call it outlandish, but kind of very bold, bold, exactly like notion of how the, not just the universe, but all of construct is put together. And again, there's no way to verify it. Like you, you can, you can kind of look for, for indicators that might support your, your thesis, but it's it's impossible to tell. Speaking of space, uh, I guess the Hubble telescope captured a rare uh, death of a star a couple no days kidding. ago. They they visually captured a star dying. Fantastic. Yeah, I didn't take that star. Yeah, did luck. it did it black hole or uh, I didn't I that I just saw the information. I didn't actually uh, visit the story to mm. you know to see. So I, I don't know. What what is support local journal or science journalism, Joe? Jerk. Sorry. Come on, uh, you gotta you gotta give everyone your money now. Yeah, you know, I actually meant to go look at it, and then I got distracted. You know how that goes. And then oh, yeah. I, by the time I came back to whatever it was I was doing, I completely forgot about it because I'm old and absent-minded. Next up from Micah, unrelated to the Blazers, which ball brother will have the best NBA career? I don't. I can't even keep those kids in line. Yeah. I don't know which one's which. Well, there's the one at UCLA who's going to be a top three pick in the mm-hmm. draft, I, I believe. I don't know. And then there's the yeah, one. That, no, I, I think that's yeah. that, and that's uh his first name. I'm spacing on. And then there's Lamelo yeah. or just Mello, who's the kid who scored 92 points in high school last night. I, the 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 one at UC or UCLA is Lorenzo, I think. Oh, that sounds right. Uh, so that kid who did that was obviously it was ridiculous. He was like 30 or 35 from the field or something. It was all twos. Like he wasn't even it wasn't even the typical new age kid dunking and shooting threes. Um. But I did see some video of that today, and there was very little to no defense. Like, he would score and then barely make it across yeah. half court before he was getting an outlet and going the other way. So, bump that. Like, yeah. uh, But I don't know them well enough to know which one's going to have a better NBA career. Yeah. I don't pay well, And the other thing, too, is like anything that happens as a sophomore in high school, it, there, there's... Is that what there, he is? He's a sophomore? I, I think he's a sophomore, yeah. I mean, and there's just, in general, there's... There's been kids throughout the years who have been great, who people thought were going to be awesome, and then on, and then the next level just never panned out. And uh, yeah, obviously to score 92, basically you have to do nothing but score. I did the last shot of that game too. Like you could tell the kid was just feeling it because like he did. It was an ugly shot. Yeah, he just threw it up in the air and basically it went in. So I mean, sometimes you, when you got it, you got it. Um, I I think it's impressive. I don't know if it's necessarily like a good thing because you know. 
it's not that's not much of a basketball game no you know like it i guess it'd be fun to see it as like a singular thing but like if the guy is going out and scoring 90 in the next game i'd be like enough with this next up from tyler stobe how much of the blazers issues this year do we attribute to poor decision making versus just plain bad luck well i mean luck does play a part in it but I, i i think you have to i mean i don't i don't know if i would say decision making just Poor play. Yeah. Uh, again, my whole take on everything is that the Blazers were overrated going into the season. They they overachieved last year over a two to three month span and inflated expectations. Uh, I still think they're sort of in the middle of a rebuild. Really, when you look at, how, I mean, going into last year, how many years did you think it was going to take yeah. before the team recovered to have a run like they had last year? So, I mean, I don't know. I, Decision making. It depends on what level of decision making you're talking about. Are you saying front office? Yeah, I guess you're saying you front saying, office. Well, no, stuff? Or is he? He could be talking about play and coaching and all that decision making, like on court decision making. Yeah. I, the the bad luck has been injuries. I mean, you saw it with Evan last night. You've seen it with Mo. You've seen it with Ed Davis. You've seen it with Aminu missed Aminu. a stretch. So and obviously know. Festus Azili not playing. So I mean, help. that's where the bad luck comes into play. But play wise, chemistry wise, you know, success wise. That's more about the the former than than bad luck. Yeah, and just being a really bad defensive team for two for the first two months yeah. of the season. I mean that that's that'll do it. That that might be it. Next up from Brandon uh, Caro, does the Evan Turner injury increase the chances we trade for somebody? No, no. I I and I I've been thinking this more and more lately. I don't think they're going to do anything. Uh, I I think and actually I was talking to to your colleague Mike Richmond about this yesterday. I think that. I think that summer is probably where they make their move. Um, I could see them doing something if if it falls in their lap, but I just don't. I don't. I don't know what what move gets them anywhere important this year. And if they can swing one, great. But like, I I just don't. I just don't see it. I think they're gonna maybe try to swing something during the draft. I think they're probably going to use their draft pick this year and hopefully get someone they that they like can can help. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, I I'm guessing if if they take two first round picks this year for themselves, I would be a bit surprised by that. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I didn't before Evan Turner's injury. I didn't think they were going to make a significant deal if any at all, and I still don't think they're going to make any if at all. Again, I still think they're in a rebuild. They're evaluating their talent, and it's their contracts are going to be less cumbersome from teams who are interested in some of their players in the summer when they are at least one year uh, old when they have one year shaved off of the deal. So uh, that helps. The draft picks helped will help. I just think it makes more sense to wait into the summer. Uh, there's not going to be a move which is going to catapult the Blazers into the top half of the Western Conference standings uh, that they're going to make. So when you're still just treading water as they are, you, you know, what, it doesn't make a ton of sense. It depends on what drops into your lap. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and every trade discussion comes with the caveat of if there's an opportunity, then great. But, I mean, like, so you, you hear about kind of the stuff that's happened lately in terms of rumors Sixers and Pelicans trying to work out a deal to send the Pelicans Jello Okafor. Is that really? I mean, like, is that something the Blazers should really get involved in? I mean, I don't. I mean, I think Okafor is a nice offensive player and he's young, but not going to help I their defense. I don't know that it really solves Portland's problems. Let's see what else are kind of. Are there any other deals that have been rumored uh, out there? I don't know. I don't. I try not to pay attention. To I them. know you don't, Joe, but. I just thought maybe maybe in while, while reading something vision. about the uh, astrophysics, you, you maybe saw something <laughs> about trades. I don't know. But, yeah, just basically, I mean, I just don't I just don't see it. And it, it could be out there. I've been wrong so many times. Kevin but, Love? 
God, that doesn't make any sense, too. Like, that's one of those things where it's like, I, I think LeBron has earned the right to be, to kind of throw his weight around. In fact, I don't think that I, he has. But, like, that doesn't mean you should make dumb decisions. And, and like, is that, that, that even coming from him, though? Like, who's, well, where are those rumors really exactly. coming from? And it, it it, anything with New York, too. Like, you always got to take with a salt lick size. The VS meter salt. should yeah, be raised exactly. high to, to threat level yeah. orange. Well, didn't, uh, what did, uh, what did LeBron call Frankie Zola? Did he, did he say he was a clown or a sure. joke or something like that? He, he made some statement about that. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> as an aside, man, Phil Jackson wilding out, man. That guy's that guy's taking a certainly taking a different approach to uh, to general managing. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I guess I kind of respect it a little bit. He's like, look, I want to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. I can't because he has a no trade clause. So I'm just going to put his name on the street any chance I get. <laughs> it's just cold, man. It's there cold, was cold so- world. Somebody that uh, asked me if I had seen his tweet, and I was like, uh, no. And so I'm trying to find. Well, he 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 had a he tweeted about a, a story that Kevin Ding wrote uh, yesterday about trying to get Carmelo Anthony to to kind of conform to a style of winning basketball, and how throughout his career that has not really been the case. And basically, uh, Phil Jackson I have it right responded. Here. Basically, was like, "Yeah, he's Ble- right." Bleachers Ding almost rings the bell. But I learned you don't change the spot on a leopard with Michael Graham in my CBA days. What? That's so, I mean, I think what he, I mean, he's basically saying, that, I mean, because, again, it, Ding's yeah. thing was like, hey, I mean, like, Carmelo is who he is. You can even question his his desire to win over just having a more comfortable life, which I, I think he points out, and I agree with. It's like, look, like, it's, who's to say, like, what the – what – should a player value the most? I mean, I think obviously as fans, you hope that they value winning mm-hmm. the most and representing the organization in a exactly fine manner. But in some regards, you, you are an employee, and like if maybe it's more important to a player to have a comfortable lifestyle in the place they're comfortable with and have their family that their family wants to live than it is for them to have a better chance to win a championship in say San Antonio. You know, like and. I think as a fan, you don't want to hear that, and I think that's a perfectly fair response to have, particularly with how players are compensated. But on the other hand, it's like, look, you gotta you gotta make your decisions based off of what's important to you. And again, if if you're a professional basketball player, you probably have a lot of interest in winning basketball games and eventually a championship. But as you get older, maybe it becomes less and less. Maybe your priorities change. So. Uh... Well, after we uh, er, late in the game of submitting questions uh, via Twitter, Dorian Gibson has asked uh, between seven and eight questions. So, Dorian, we're not going to get to all your questions, but I have a couple here that we could probably tackle rapid fire. here. Uh, What are your favorite Blazer jerseys? If you could change to a new look, what would you do? I've always kind of liked the Bill Walton Blazers down the side with the number on the front. Yeah, with the the red. red. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I like that jersey. Um, I and the hardwood classics that were very similar to those that they resurrected the when Brandon Roy was around. Uh, I think uh, those, those aren't the same. They're essentially the same. Yeah, but the re the modernized look of that I, I like sure. that. Yeah, uh, I don't. I kind of like the old one too with the with Portland spelled out in yeah. cursive. Yeah, I think nice. that that's a that's a nice jersey too. But I mean, I think you generally know, speaking, the uni, unis are pretty nice. Yeah, they're. Yeah. I mean, they're they don't they're not outlandish or anything. They're yeah. fairly traditional. But I, I think a uh, Blazers, 
I, I'd always, I'd say top five uniform. I, I've always thought they've done a nice job. There is a moderniz- modernization, a modernizing going on right now as we speak. Yep. So there will be some changes heading into next year. Well, yeah, with, with Nike taking over the contract, yeah. you know, there, there might be some opportunities there. Okay, what uh, do the players tend to live closer to the arena or the practice facility? Practice For the facility. most part, the practice facility, although some there do There has been a, a there's been a trend lately to, to living in the city as, as a team has gone younger, yeah. I think. Like, Even going back to, like, Joel Freeland and Victor and uh, those guys. Guys, they lived in the in the city proper. Yeah, yeah. No well, especially European city. guys. It's yeah. like they don't want to live in no, some suburbs. Suburb, like they don't yeah. want to live in the city. And then uh, finally, from Dorian Gibson, what is the best food served at the Moda Center? Lots of fine dining options at the Moda Center. Yeah. Um, depends on if you're looking for like a Portland centric kind of a food, or if you're looking for your uh, your your game day staples like your chicken strips and fries or your hot dog or whatever. Yeah. Uh, assuming that you're going for uh, a slight change of pace, I'm partial to sizzle pie pizza. Sure. It's very good in the concourse. And I would uh, like to eat Killer Burger, but they insist on putting mayonnaise on their hamburgers, so I can't give them the the mantle because I, I think Killer Burgers are great. They're I think, excellent. Yeah. I think I don't know if they're underrated, but like when people talk about like really good burgers in Portland, I don't feel like they get enough due. Yeah. I, when I eat a Killer Burger, like I f- I don't feel awful afterwards, which yeah. is very unusual. But they at the Moda Center they won't make them without mayo. That's so a crying shame. Come on, guys. Uh, and also bunk bunk is Bunk's is great. in the yeah. arena, and that's that's a good sandwich place. So off the top of my head, that's what I would say. Koi Fusion's not in the arena, is it? Mm, I don't think so. Maybe I don't yeah. think so. No, I don't. I don't think so either. I, I I have to say I'm gonna I'm gonna just shout out the old school uh, chicken strips and fries. Like uh, the Trailblazer standard chicken strip and fry, not even like the foul language one. A very solid chicken strip and fry combo, uh, and especially with an employee discount, you know, for like six bucks, two to sweet. That's a, uh, that's a that's a great meal. And the, we were talking about the other day, Blazers easily commissary wise, best salad bar in the NBA. Media meal wise, um, media meal wise, yes. And uh, we were even having a discussion the other day about, as we often do, about arena foods, and Blazers definitely top five. Yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, too, uh, if you're in Dallas. Uh, Streets fine chicken, uh, fried chicken, in uh, I don't, I guess Oakland neighborhood. It was fantastic. Um, an interesting scene there as well, just because it's it's the heart of, or I don't know if it's the heart, but definitely uh, a district, and uh, you don't often see a fried chicken place next to uh, clubs and uh, men's underwear stores and. I had no idea where you're going with this, yeah. but okay, I see. It was great though. I and, and like pictures on the wall of, of roosters all over the place. Like a, a little on the nose, but uh fantastic chicken. That's and very good sides too. There you go. And we went to Pecan Lodge as well, a little underwhelming. Oh yeah? Yeah. Hmm. They the second time ordering burnt ends on the road lately where they give you something that is really not burnt ends. Yeah. They're sort of faking it. Yeah. And this one was a full on like Dog, this isn't. These aren't burnt ends. This is just. This is just the end of a huge piece of brisket. That's why you go to Matt's Barbecue on MLK in Matt's, Portland. Uh, Matt, does Matt do burnt ends? I think so. He, he's hit and miss with burnt ends. I feel like every time I've tried to get him, he yeah, hasn't had them. So. But no, Matt's is awesome. Yeah. It's great stuff. All right, we're gonna call it good there. Thank you so much for listening. As always, he's Casey Holdall. I'm Joe Freeman, and we will talk to you again next week. Take care. Comes a paint, Kobe. Hopping in three. Trying to catch him coming down the court. Bonzi Wells, what a handle. It's amazing what he do for the sport. Damon Stoudemire saves the day. AKA Mighty Mouse. Gonna show all of you scrubs how to play. What a show. Why the Lakers even want to?
no one's ready to deal with us. us.